welcome back to the channel. Uh, my name is Dr. Wei Chun Wan. As always, I'm with my co-host Joey Degangji. How's it going, Joey? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good. Excited. Yeah, we're ready to head into uh, the holiday season here. We're seeing a lot, uh, a lot of things going on uh, based on uh, this year's holiday season. Looking at how the, the economy is shaping that, the lasting ripple effects. A lot of the things that we've uh, we've talked about here on the show before, but you know, we're still uh, living right in the middle of it. So there's a lot to go over. A lot of people have been discussing Twitter, right? So yeah. what's the the, re, the recent developments at Twitter are certainly interesting to say the least. You know, obviously Elon Musk, a very strong personality, just took over Twitter, which kind of corresponds to uh, what we had talked about in our previous episodes on the advertising space. So I, I wanted to first uh, uh, share with you that none of our podcast is scripted. I mean, we we just. Uh, wanted to really share our observations and insights with you uh, based on our expertise and our, um, you know, experience dealing with uh, the the variety of business owners coming from different industries. And we just thought that the, especially the ad space is particularly intriguing given the, uh, the migration of technology, you know, 20, 25 years ago, we did ads completely differently. I mean, some of the traditional media have survived, obviously. You know, you would still want to put out ads. If you are big enough, you still want to put out ads in the Super Bowl commercials. Mm-hmm. I, I still remember very vividly uh, the, the polar bear commercials uh, put out by, by Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I don't know, like, how people scrutinize the, the effectiveness of the campaign. Because, you know, obviously the, the cost of making a Super Bowl commercial is high up there. Yeah. And does Coca-Cola really um, calculate and measure the conversions? I believe they do, but they, they do it in, in such a subtle and, and different way than just measuring the conversions uh, of, a, of a regular small to mid-sized business. Right. I think at that point, you're measuring a lot of that return on ad spend in terms of uh, you know, your brand equity. I think that is, you know, I would, I would imagine at least. That's probably the number one metric you're looking at, the, the value of the brand rather than the, the value of people who may purchase directly attributed to, uh, to any, any of those, especially like the traditional media spots. I think it's more about being able to just put yourself in front of people and then increase the value of the brand itself. You're absolutely right. And I, I think a lot of people are confused, right? Because they, they think that, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing ads because we want to we want to expand our uh, brand awareness. We want to expose our brands and products and services. Uh, and while you're doing that, a lot of people also want to have conversions. And I, I'm, I don't, th- I personally don't think that you could accomplish multiple things at one time, right? Because there are ways for you to to do advertising to to promote your products and try to convert. And there are also ways for you to, like for example, through the PR effort to expose your brands and increase the brand awareness and equity. I do not think that there will be like one channel that effectively does multiple things at one time. Right. And if you need any more proof, think anytime you've gone into uh, Google uh, ad campaigns or the last time you tried to set up a campaign inside of uh, you know Meta's platform, even within that singular channel, what's the first thing they did? That little pop-up comes up on screen and says, what are you aiming to do? Conversions is one box. Uh, awareness campaigns, clicks, They'll specify. They'll they'll tailor your advertising within their system to what what your end goal is, and they'll and they'll uh, right from the beginning try to advise your strategy based on what you specify that goal to be. So even the ad giants themselves 
are making any proposition that they can be all things to all people, even within the, right. the campaigns that you run with them. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very good, a very good point. Nevertheless, it has been drastically changed. The, the landscape of the ad business has yeah. drastically changed over over the past couple months, to say the least. I mean, after they fell short, all these ad giants fell short in their financial forecast, which we talked about in our previous episode. Uh, but what's happening with Twitter is is certainly very intriguing because Twitter, uh, again, uh, relies heavily on ad avenue and Elon Musk. You know, I, I'm not sure whether he's experiencing buyer's remorse. You know, obviously, throughout the process, he wanted to pull he wanted right. to pull off the deal, but he was forced to complete the deal at forty four billion dollars. That's a lot of money, and he's funding it through public record uh, from the uh, sale of his own Tesla stocks. So, and and obviously, he got his he got some investors involved. I think J P Morgan Chase has some stakes in it. Uh, I don't I don't know whether they are regretting the the purchase after seeing what he's he's currently doing with Twitter. Uh, he, he's certainly, you know, to say the least, he's he's shattered the, the entire structure of Twitter, uh, if not if not anything else. Uh, yeah, it is not gone purchase. off to a smooth start. Still too early to yeah, tell what the the outlook's going to be, but it has <laughs> not gone smooth so far. Right, and and we know, I mean, from what we can see in the public domain, the financial records, their their bread and butter is really the ad revenue. So when you're not bringing in right. the ad revenue, something is wrong, and. And Elon Musk wants to wants to institute a, well, not wants to. I mean, he's already instituted another business revenue model that is the the blue check mark, right? And so he right. wanted to charge an eight dollar monthly fee for the blue check mark, uh, so that you could you know uh, be verified and certified. But 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 really, I mean, how how can that replace the ad revenue that that has lost? Right. So right. if you if you do the math, like simple math, right, eight dollars check mark, how many people do you need to be paying that to create a significant revenue stream? Just to put things in context, think about the billions of dollars in the financial report uh, uh, that they show the revenue need. And all of a sudden, a lot of advertisers are pulling out. Like just the other day, CBS said that they're they're pulling out the ad budget uh, from Twitter and Elon Musk tweeted that decision um, by saying, who cares? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know who cares. I mean, obviously the stakeholders would care, but if, if Elon yeah. Musk is the sole uh, major stakeholder, uh, he could pretend that he doesn't care, but apparently from the mini- meeting minutes, as well as the public records uh, uh, from his comments, he cares tremendously about the I, revenue. I would think so. Yeah. He should, he should definitely care. And I think another thing I, I keep thinking about with like the blue check mark, I think it kind of devalues it. I, 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 yeah. I'm really interested to see how that plays out because I know it's still, you know, it's still very new, but I think a lot of the perceived value of having that check mark was that, that level of exclusivity. Yeah. Now, if you democratize it, like now I can get a blue check mark <laughs> on my profile. Now I don't want one. Like, exactly. so I don't know how that's going to really go. I mean, again, we'll see the financial reports when it comes out, but. I don't think the outlook's going to be as good for that. Definitely not going to make up for uh, the loss of CBS and the, and, the, and the likes of other large companies like that. So it's it's going to be exactly. Interesting. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of like the the luxury good uh, conversations in, in in the theory of economics, right? I mean, if if Ferrari only costs you like twenty thousand dollars, nobody wants nobody would want to buy it because buying it buying a Ferrari in the first place 
means that you want to show off. If that's yeah. showing off, if the value of showing off is gone, then why'd you buy it? Yeah, no, it's no longer a flex. It's the it's same no thing with, flex. The, with, with, the, with the check mark. So we, we started the episode by talking about the history, right? So when you, in, before 20, 30 years ago, you need to rely on traditional uh, uh, venues to promote your services and products and your brands. And nowadays in the, in the digital world, everything is related to uh, Google ads, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, kind of funny. A couple of days ago, I opened up my Instagram feed hmm. and the first post that I saw was an ad, which never happened before. And I could only have two explanations, right? So what happened before is that you usually have to scroll down a couple of posts that you're interested in in seeing, you know, based on your followers right. uh, and followings. And then you would see ads. And I'm okay with that approach because I know that they have to make a living. But when a couple of days ago, when I opened up the Instagram feed and the first thing that I saw was ad, I was like, wait a second, aren't these guys desperate, right? So they're, they're really looking for revenue there. Um, and if even if it's not intentional, if it's not intentional, we have a bigger problem. That means that their algorithm is ultimately wrong, right? Because mm. they're driving users away. And if, you're, if your users are not engaged in the platform, then again, we have bigger problems. Right. Right. I find myself kind of leaning towards what you said, you know, your, your first idea that they are really just trying to get more eyes on the ads. I noticed a similar change in uh, you know, my experience as a user of uh, YouTube. I'm noticing, yeah, it feels at least like they're like I'm seeing them more frequently. Uh, I'm seeing them in be, like at the 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 beginning of videos that are they're stretching a little bit longer. It just seems like the the content's being packed more with uh, with advertising a little bit more tightly than than maybe before. And it's anecdotal, but I did kind of notice something similar before you and I talked about like what your observation was. So I think I think you're onto something. We'll see how that plays out with uh, with usage numbers. Are you, are users dedicated enough to stay on the platforms, regardless of how their experience might be changing, to justify the the increased ad placement? Get the the people who are still committing financial resources to advertising. Does that increase their bang for their buck, or are they inadvertently driving away the very users that they're trying to basically you know sell their their screen time to? So it's I I, I know what you mean. I, I don't know how that's gonna going to go for them. But I think there is a shift going on behind the scenes. And, and Joey, I, I also wanted to ask you, do you real, do you feel that they have been spamming you with the same ads over and over again? Cause I feel like they're, they're intentionally trying to find a way to exhaust the ad budget from, for advertisers. And I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not coming on the, I'm not commenting on the ethics because every, you know, for business, for profit businesses is out there to get revenue. I understand that. Right. right. But they're desperate. But, uh, what was the old saying? You don't kill the hand for the egg, right? Right. No, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's one or two YouTube ones that if I'm sitting around with some friends, yeah, we if if we have like uh, something streaming, we try to see who can remember the more more of the lines getting into it because we've seen it so many times when when watching YouTube, like you can you like know where you know how the the advertisement plays out. And again, that's not us saying that's good or bad or anything like that. That's uh, yeah. There are also all of those metrics that say. How many times does a consumer nowadays have to see something before uh, before they're willing to convert? The number of touch points is going from you know in the the single digits to the to the twenties. You have to engage with a brand twenty sometimes now right. before you're willing to to make a purchase on average. 
So maybe but that's driven. Driving but but there's a that. right, but there's a fine line between. Yeah. You know, you don't want to. You don't want the customers to hate your brand. No, uh, for, yeah, you called spamming. it spam. That that should tell you everything. You instinctively called it. They're spamming me with ads. That's yeah. going too like that's going too far. High. There's a need for increased frequency, but you can't spam people. I don't. I don't want to be the person that's in charge of trying to to figure out where to draw that line. But I, I think there's a very fine line between the two. Right. So the conventional wisdom in the field of marketing says that you have to expose your customers. Right. For your brand, at least for seven times before they 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 grow that impression of your product or service or brand, but that seven times have to be e- evenly spread out. You can't right yeah. spamming yeah. right because you don't want to you don't want the customer to hate your brand. Um, and and I think I think they're they're overly using it right. So they're 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 like you said spamming you. And and this to me right now is no different than the. The, the, literally the spam emails that I, I got on a daily basis. Like, Joey, right. how many times do you get spam emails saying, oh, you know what? I'm sending you this list of clients. Oh, uh, you know, if you want a leads, uh, you know, contact me. Or we could talk about leads in all, all sorts of different industries. It seems like there are so many companies out there. They have access to, to data databases with, uh, you know, email contact. And obviously I've been spamming uh I've been spammed by it, right? And then, right. you know, long email down below, it will be like, uh, you know, if you don't want to receive the, these kind of emails in the future, uh, please respond and say that you uns- you want to unsubscribe. And I was like, you're putting the pressure on me and it right. is my responsibility to unsubscribe. Right. How does that make any sense? Right? No, no, that tactic uh, drives me up the wall. That's right when I send it to uh, to spam. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I always, and by the way, if you're listening to it, there's a, actually a better way to it. Let artificial intelligence do the work. Just label it as junk and spam right. uh, in your Google inbox and let Google search engine take, take care of it. Uh, that's, the, that's the right way to do it. If you try to interact with the spammers, uh, chances are you will, you, will get, you will be getting more spams. Um, so, you know, obviously that, that, that deserves a topic of another day. And because we, <laughs> yeah. we are, we have our uh, fair share of expertise in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So we, we may be able to comment a little bit on that. Uh, but, but back to ad, right? So right. now, now people still need to advertise. Like when CBS right. pulls out from Twitter, CBS is effectively using their ad budget on something else. Because yeah. they, they, we always make arrangements and budget the ad spans, you know, if not in the beginning of the year, at least in the beginning of the quarter. So, you know, every merchant has kind of like a plan to know where are where they're spending money on. Because yeah. you need to you need to maintain presence even in the worst possible time <clears throat> ever. Right. Even when the economic outlook is bad, you still want to maintain your presence in uh, in the marketplace. Yeah, no matter what. And we, we talked all, all last episode about how risky that can be to, to hold back. So you ha- like you said, it's gonna it's got to shift now, basically. You know, it's going from right. Twitter to, to where. Right. So <laughs> looking at Twitter, Twitter is still a giant. Right. right. And, uh, you know, the, the management style is, of Elon Musk is, is just funny. I mean, I don't know because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that wealthy or rich. I'm not even, you know, close to, to any of that. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay $44 billion to just buy something for fun, right? I, no. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Elon Musk wants to make money, to make profit, right? Um, so w- 
what gives, right? So what is the future of Twitter? I, I know there is a lot of uh, uh, trending hashtags out there that talked about, you know, oh, is, is, is Twitter dead or is Twitter dying? And Elon Musk is enjoying it because he believes, he's actually uh, uh, touting that. He's talked about how the user statistics of, of Twitter has, has been hitting the all-time high or historical high mm. uh, based on uh, the recent actions that he took with Twitter. But how do you convert, right? I mean, right. like you said, I mean, the, the business check marks $8 per prop, that's not going to replace the ad revenue and ad spend. So from the advertiser's perspective, knowing that the landscape has completely changed, now Google is desperate, Instagram is desperate, YouTube is desperate. How do, how do we respond to this? Um, so if you're a local business, and we, we've talked about this, I mean, it's like we're paying sales taxes to all these advertising platforms in addition to the, the, the real sales, tax, sales taxes and income taxes that we have to pay uh, to the government. But right. you still need to advertise your business and products. How, how, how do we do that then? Yeah, I think, and, and just seeing some of the conversations about you know, people's decisions on, on you know, whether or not to uh, continue a allocating advertising spend to uh, Twitter. Yeah, I think it, I, you know, regardless of what the user numbers are, I think the way a lot of people are looking at it is like any other investment. You know, if it's, uh, it, you know, you call it, call it maybe a volatile stock right now. You know, not sure whether or not the, you know, what the returns can be. Some days it might be, you know, in good shape. Some days people are kind of maybe turn away from the platform and you're not sure what the, the longevity of it's going to be. You do that at the same time when the economy outlook also has not been the best right now. And you need to, you know, again, we don't advocate for cutting spend, but a lot of companies are at least reducing spend and trying to spend smarter. So putting, putting the budget which is going down into something that is regarded as more risky than any other platform right now. I think that's where you're seeing a lot of companies deciding to cut. There's a really interesting uh, tweet I came across the other day from a, like a, an advertising agency and they manage uh, you know, six figure or uh, seven figure rather quarterly spends. And they pulled out, they had usually six figures reserved for, uh, for Twitter between all of their different clients they made the decision to, to turn away just because they didn't know what the, you know, what the outlook was going to be. So they didn't want to invest their, you know, their clients budgets into something that's quite so, uh, you know, they, they couldn't make any, any long-term pr pr uh, predictions about how the platform is going to perform. And I think that's really the, you know, what a lot of companies are making that decision based on. Um, so I, th I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. I mean, whenever we advertise our uh, advise our clients, we we always come, we always come from a purpose, right? So, so for example, if you wanna if you wanna increase the converts, how do we do it uh, strategically? How do we do it? If you wanna you know enhance your brand equity, how do right. we do it? I think there is a lot of internal marketing work that you need to do before you could have ad, uh, successful advertising campaigns, right? And, and and I think that's what people are missing. Right. I don't know whether you've noticed, I mean, at least in my Facebook feeds, I have all sorts of, you know, different products with very different, uh, even like names of like drug compounds. Hmm. Like I don't, I don't have the expertise. Like, for example, why would you want to spam me with all these different drugs that I don't even know what illnesses uh, they treat? And I don't have any like Google search history 
because fingers crossed, I think I'm healthy, right? I don't, I don't, I don't know like how they identify me. So it, yeah. it, it could, it could only give me the uh, the sense that again, not only the platforms are desperate, the advertisers are desperate. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of kind of floundering back and forth with how they you know kickstart the momentum on the on the platform. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Right. So, um, so on the on the consulting end, again, it's the internal data infrastructure that you got to have. It's your internal marketing resources that you got to align. And this is probably the perfect timing for you to review all these efforts before you go out and spend money like crazy. I mean, because spending money doesn't guarantee results, and you know, especially when when the economic outlook is bad, you you certainly feel that. And I think, again, uh, there is a lot to learn from. I, we keep commenting on Twitter because, I mean, every day is an adventure at Twitter. I mean, yeah. right now, I'm just I'm just pulling a chair and, and sit and sit and watch from the sideline, right? Because I go to Twitter a lot more frequently. Like Elon Musk has said, right? The user statistics have been skyrocketing. And I'm one of those users that I haven't returned right. to, to the Twitter platform for a long time. But if you see Twitter, and I think Jack Dorsey, the, the founder of Twitter, has certainly seen Twitter as kind of like a social news kind of platform, uh, not not uh, as uh, interested in the revenue generating endeavors, which is probably wrong, you know, from the for profit business perspective, because Jack Dorsey at the time still had to be had to be responsible, uh, fiduciary responsibilities for his stakeholders. But either way, you know, nevertheless, he decided that that was the direction of the business. And all of a sudden, you're turning kind of like a social service into like a, a pure profit chasing organization. And the, the, the management style of Elon Musk is just unbelievable. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we keep commenting on Twitter. And, and I think, again, there, there's a lot to learn uh, from, mm-hmm. you know, just watching his behaviors uh, and he's managing the organizations, cutting an organization from 7,500 people to now down to maybe 2,000 at this point, right? Yeah. He openly encouraged people to leave the organization if they cannot be, quote unquote, all in. Oh, you need to click this button at the bottom of the email. So he sent an email to his employees at midnight several days ago asking them, you know, giving them like 24, I think it's like 48 hours, I think, 40 hours or, uh, or shorter than that. You gotta respond with a click on the email that he sent, and that email basically asks his employees if you're if you are not ready for really long hours, um, completely dedicated, you should leave the organization. And then I think that triggered another wave of the, uh, wave of departures. Mm. Now, from the management uh, perspective, how what do you see that, Jerry? I mean, I think. Uh... I mean, there's, there's a lot there, right? So clearly as somebody with a pretty, pretty, pretty clear idea of a radical change he wants to institute. And I don't think that in and of itself is, is, is a poor choice. You know, if you're entering an organization that you think needs to be turned around, maybe, maybe even needs to make a full 180. I think it is good to have kind of a, kind of a clear objective in place, but I think it's the execution that that's more of the you know kind of kind of the issue and what you would want to learn from maybe to to not necessarily necessarily repeat those steps. Mm-hmm. I think radical changes is again could be necessary. I you know in, in an organization, but uh, doing so I think so quickly so you know trying to make a, a, a quick turnaround. 
I think that's going to steer even the good people away because I think people want uh, a level of safety. They want to have you know, a clear idea of what their, their objective is at the company. And if the company, company is shifting directions at breakneck pace, I think even good people you know, that, that would be able to fit with whatever that new vision is going to be, I, I think they're going to be turned away. So I think you're probably you know, inadvertently driving away some of the people that would be able to help you actually implement the vision you want to go into. And again, this is all completely independent of what you think that new direction is for Twitter in particular. Yes. But stepping back, I think anytime you make a change, I think it's important to not necessarily get buy-in because you're not going to get all 7,500 people to agree with you either. That's not That right. shouldn't be the goal. I mean, I don't want to go completely away from what he's doing either. I think setting a clear vision for the company based on what you believe the right decision is going to be, and maybe you've talked it through with your, your management team, but setting that vision and trying to make sure that the right people are going to stick with you to, to move forward with it and that the people that aren't going to be the right fit are, you know, are, are uh, phased out of what you're doing, but at the, at the rate and just the, you know, kind of like all or nothing way of doing it. I don't think I, I don't think most people can work in an environment like that. Even the most capable, well-adjusted, uh, you know, employee for whatever that new company is going to be. I think you're going to lose them. I think that would be my number one critique and the number one takeaway from, from what we're seeing here. Let, let's comment it then from the financial perspective. Because the revenue drop of Twitter really was the reason why Twitter was not performing, right? And okay. and so so if if we radically change the cost structure, the first question that we want to ask is whether the the reduction in the cost structure in this case particularly is the personnel cost. Um, mm. Does that make up for the revenue loss? And the the answer is no. The answer is no because the drop in the revenue was was huge, right? Mm. And obviously, you, yeah. you need to stop the bleeding. I get it. You need to stop right. the ble- bleeding. But the reduction in the, in the personnel cost also means that you lose on the number of people, right? right. So people, and, and we, we've talked about this previously uh, in private, Joey, like the, the public opinion on Elon Musk has been so polarized at this point. There are people that are defending him like, like they're like fanboys and fangirls. Doesn't matter what Elon right. Musk does, right. they'll they'll praise him to the T, right? And that there are there is another camp that again has been polarized who who would criticize Elon Musk for whatever he's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's very much uh, all or nothing. I don't think there's, I think it, there's there's a, a lower and lower number of people that look at some of his actions objectively. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know everything's kind of you know you're looking at the totality and saying it's either all good, all bad. And, I think that just adds to the chaos. Right, right. So again, um, there was a lot to learn on the ad space. There's a lot to learn on the management style of Elon Musk, uh, you know, from his recent actions on Twitter. Uh, now, we are consulting our clients. Um, what have we learned, Joey? <laughs> I was going to ask you the same thing. So I think uh, let's look at the two parts there. From the advertising standpoint, I think, uh, yeah. We'll stick to what we've been saying the whole time. Maintain that level of curiosity. Uh, if Twitter, you know, historically for your organization has been a source of revenue, I think cutting cold turkey would, you know, could be a, a mishap. But at the same time, see, recognize the signs that the the Twitter of uh, you know of, of past years is shifting. Whether or not that shift is good or bad for your organization, there's a shift happening. So maintain curiosity. 
work with other platforms like Google, like Meta, like uh, TikTok, explore some of these other channels, keep trying to, you know, kind of mitigate any risk of, of that you're going to incur when things change with, uh, with Twitter. So think in the advertising space, keep watching what your industry uh, is, is doing on the platform. Keep looking at, you know, what your return on ad spend looks like. I think you need to watch really, really diligently, um, especially if you're on, on Twitter and, and just as a whole, because we're seeing the advertising landscape shift on all platforms, really pay close attention and keep, you know, hedging your bet by experimenting with, with all these other channels. So in case something radical does happen to your detriment, you aren't left uh, completely in the, you know, in the open. So I think that's the advertising uh, takeaway. And then the management side, you know, I, I, I kind of shared my, my thoughts on what we're seeing, how, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly with, uh, you know, with trying to shift an organization. What would you say, Wei Chong? Say you were entering, you know, walking into a new company, that you felt needed to have, you know, a complete 180 in direction. What would be some of the things you would do differently or similarly to uh, to what you're seeing right now in the news with Twitter? Do you think that Elon Musk understands the Twitter culture? I don't think he does, right? I mean, right. let's not let's comment not let's not comment on this particular uh, acquisition and merger because you know a lot of people see Twitter very differently. And forget mm-hmm. about the fact that Twitter is a for-profit organization and they have unrealistic expectations of Twitter. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people see Twitter as kind of like an like a NPR kind of thing. Right. Forget about the fact that, you know, there are stakeholders watching like like hawks on their f- financial performances. So I, I think on, from that perspective, Elon Musk is right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not they're not supposed to be losing money. And, and right. for one thing, they're publicly they're publicly listed. They have the financial fiduciary responsibility. Now, commenting on on the management style, I think Elon is completely right in in going in there trying to fix it. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think the measures that he took, uh, he's just like everybody else. Everybody is. We will leverage our previous successful experiences and try to extra, extrapolate uh, and, and 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 maybe migrate some of the things that we did well in the past that that had success to the current endeavors and he's doing exactly that but let's not forget where did for example uh tesla come about right he mm-hmm. took over an organization and he argued that he turned that organization around but had it not been the subsidy had it had it not been the subsidy that he received from the federal government in the united states had it not been the the favor that he got from the uh the Chinese government so that he could build a gigab factory in Shanghai, he would never be able to mass produce. So that could have been a losing endeavor. Well, judging by the results, it's looking okay. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and let's not comment on the reliability of Tesla vehicles. That's a, that's a topic for another day, but he is inevitably using and leveraging his previous experiences to manage Twitter. But again, is Twitter exactly the same? as mm. Tesla, SpaceX. And by the way, SpaceX is losing a lot of money mm. to a point that he's raising funds, right? Mm. So I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to overly focus on his previous quote unquote successes. Right. But judging by the radical change that he wanted to bring to Twitter, I don't think that's going to fare well, right? And we're not going to be able to see the financial records in the public domain going forward, given that Twitter is now privately held, right? But right. but I, I think the pain is going to persist for 
a pretty long while because the revenue model is not clearly defined, uh, at least from my perspective. Blue check mark, I don't think that's going to be replacing any main uh, major revenue streams of Twitter. Ad spends are not uh, catching up, you know, as evidence from a lot of people pulling out, a lot of advertisers pulling, pulling out, right? So that's on the management side of things. If, if I were Elon, really, the great leaders actually listen, mm. right? And you want to ensure that there is no anxiety, particularly before you took over, there is probably six to seven months of anxiety already. Like you, right. you the, the, based on the comments that you made in public, wanting to take over. So there is already a lot of anxiety. I mean, the first thing that you go in, if you want to change the culture, that's fine. I mean, set clear guidelines, mm. set clear expectations. Not laying people off, and then for those people that remain, they, they don't know what to do. Maybe they're they're worrying about the next hatchet, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and really, the next hatchet came from another email after the massive layoffs. So it's just going to be endless chaos, I think, for for I think a long while, right? So that's that's on the management style, on the on the ad space. I have I have something different to offer that is. I think this is the perfect time for you to for you to make sure that you align your res- allocate your resources not not on ad spends but be careful be very vigilant and careful on the ad spends. Not saying that you should completely do away with the with the ad spends, but this is the perfect time for you to allocate resources to strengthen your infrastructure, internal marketing infrastructure. What kind of marketing effort do you want to have internally? Do you want to have maybe uh, 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 the marketing effort coming from uh, internally to really streamline the workflows on the content and uh, on the strategy and on the campaign planning and you know do pull away uh, heavily uh, from the ad spend and use the resources to strengthen the infrastructure? Do you want to put together an internal data infrastructure? Or do you want to put together strategies that would allow you to review your collaboration with external agencies? This would be the perfect time because not only you get to really have a holistic overview on your internal organizations, but you might even get bargains if you want to uh, identify collaborative opportunities with external organizations because everybody is you know, trying to find revenue opportunities. Mm. Right. So if you don't have the data infrastructure, for example, in place for the next wave, then you're wasting it. And if you don't have uh, the the right marketing personnel resources internally, how do you manage right. when the next wave comes? Right. That would be my advice. But definitely, you know, I, I don't I don't think that this is the right time for you to try to get converts from the ad spends. You still have to maintain your your presence in the market, but you know, don't don't expect huge positive impact on your ad spends. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that's sound advice for anyone that's uh, that's listening. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're interested in uh, hearing more about what we think, um, you know, in the what's happening in the marketplace, uh, please uh, stay tuned. We're gonna keep pumping out the contents. See you later. Bye. See ya.
Here at WD Strategies, we help our clients develop leads, provide integration services, and expand their revenue model. We combine our consulting experiences and technological expertise to build business solutions. If you're interested in taking your business to another level, click on the link below or visit wd-strategies.com to schedule a free consultation.